All right, all right, all right. We are back with the full crew. Back we for back, episode, baby. Who knows what? Episode 114, 115. Red jacket, green jacket. Gold jacket, James green jacket, <laughs> red jacket. <laughs> who are you? To get out of here, Dr. Seuss. Oh, man. It's good to have the James, full crew James back. Is, James is back from vacation. So we're James happy to have him from back. His uh, suspension, his one week suspension. Mm-hmm. I think I think you were chasing a hundred foot wave. I just watched the uh, the show on HBO Max, the hundred foot wave. I think I want to get into extreme surfing. You know, it seems like a pretty safe bet. Um, I've surfed once or twice, and I can barely stand up. And I remember when I first got up, it sounded like there was like cars falling off a skyscraper hitting the ground behind me. And I'm like, I'm surfing this sick wave. <laughs> and I turn around and it looks like a, it looks like when you drop a rock into a puddle, man, <laughs> I can't, I can't imagine. I would want to be able to do it just for the sound. I can't imagine what that sound is like. The, the, old, the ocean is like the ultimate unforgiving thing. It's a, uh, it's crazy when the ocean wants to do what it wants to do. There's nothing that's going to stop it. It's doing it. Yeah, it's just very. That's thing. that's so so profound. Um, so have you guys have you guys seen this show? Have you seen this show? The hundred no, foot wave. Um, I think I think Cassandra and I watched it. So this guy surfed. I haven't seen when he actually finds the hundred foot wave. This is about um, Ga- um Garrett. Garrett. Yes. What's I forget his last name. name. Uh, Garrett, Garrett Jarrett. His wife his never name? ages. <laughs> Garrett Jarrett, did you say? <laughs> his <Garrett> wife, <laughs> Julia um. Gulia. <laughs> so your name's gonna be Julia Gulia. <laughs> big Big Daddy is such a good movie, right? Oh, is that, that what it's from? Singer? No, that's oh, Wedding that's, Singer. That's wedding. Oh, that's, that's wedding, wedding, singer. wedding Singer. Well, sorry, oh, I get all the Adam Sandler. Peak Adam Sandler, up. man. Peak. Adam. A lot well, they're of those all the movies same. still hold up. A lot of those movies still hold up. They're still pretty funny. You, you know what's not a funny movie and incredibly stressful is Uncut Gems, another Adam Sandler movie that will make you feel terrible in just yeah. so much anxiety. So anyway, really quick, the guy surfed a 78-foot wave. In the picture, is it's just it's insane to think that somebody could surf something like that and not just die. Uh, was this in Nazare, Portugal? Yeah, you MDV knows this stuff. Well, MDV also has some real surf. But didn't somebody just him. just break break that? Um, well, don't ruin it for me, please. Don't ruin it for me oh, because good. I haven't I haven't finished the second season because I binge watched um the show Beef on Netflix this weekend, which is all about cows. Very good show. Well, if you really want to have your mind blown about like what people do um in big wave surfing you should google nazare portugal and check out some of the the waves that have been surfed there and obviously it's well uh, that's that's where the show takes place yeah it's an absolute anomaly type of location it's crazy the waves look like they are cgi and you see people do stuff on them that you you can't even imagine a human being would ever want to to do or try there's actually a guy that went out there and body surfed Nazare and uh yeah it's it's pretty pretty insane pretty intense but that kind of stuff i love i love the ocean i was an ocean lifeguard for eight years i've done a lot of uh body surfing more than than normal surfing i can handle a longboard pretty well but i can't handle a shortboard um 
<laughs> but that kind of stuff does not appeal to You're me. Just Hawaii, throwing up these softballs right now. <laughs> Hawaii is. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. No, I just, no I had to put myself. I had to put myself on mute. No softballs in there. I'm dead on the inside. We all knew that anyway. I could just, I could just see MDV in his Baywatch suit, small, small red trunks. We, zinc our ox, uniform zinc, was zinc blue oxide. and gold. First of all, okay. our uniform was blue and gold, and I never was the gold remember. strip right down the middle of your swim trunks. Yeah. Of course, banana hammock. If you could, if you could say that coaching CrossFit or coaching fitness is like one of the best jobs in the world, ocean lifeguarding is probably better. It was the most fun I've ever had being paid to do something. That, yeah, that was an unbelievably fun job. Also very stressful at times, but um, but fun. More often than not, pretty fun. Um, retook the level one trainers uh, seminar this past weekend, level one certificate course. And that Dude, what's the worst? What's the worst job you've ever had? Mm, that's a great question. What's the, the worst, worst job you've job. ever had? Yes. I can tell you mine. Have well, we talked about like, this? I'm having deja vu. We've talked about jobs before. We certainly have talked about things that we've done to like earn money, but I don't think I've really ever had like a really, really, really shitty job that I hated. I always somehow found to enjoy the job that I was doing. Like even when I was a janitor at a church, like that was still not the worst job that I could have had. You know, it was I was getting paid pretty good money. I worked with a cool God bless. Crew. Yeah, got to, <laughs> got to kneel and do the, the praying hands. Okay. Um, no, I think that that would, I mean, I, I've never really had like a really classic shitty job. Like I never, I never worked in like a fast food joint. I never, I did some serving for a little bit for one of my buddy's dad's restaurants. And that kind of sucked. Being a server definitely sucks. That's the only job I ever like. I quit like on like straight, like really no effort went there. Day one training quit that afternoon. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, God, what was the guy's name? It was, uh, I think it was the church street cafe, Lenox, Massachusetts. Um, awesome restaurant. I think that was the name of it. Just wasn't for you. Who is the owner of that? Yeah. I just, I don't know. I love talking to people. I love food. Um, Oh wait, wasn't it Seymour? Butts. See more butts. I just have a really, I think I have a really hard time with people being like just obtuse about their level of knowledge and entitlement when you're serving them. I think I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done well with that. Like I just been like, cool. I'm just not going to bring you your food. Um, <laughs> can't do that. Worst, I, worst, worst jobs I ever had. My first job was at a hardware store called Santoro's Hardware, and the first day. I walked in. He's like, you got to go clean the employee bathroom. And it was like a bomb went off. And I was like, all right, fuck my life. And then the the other job that I had that I didn't love, and it was because I really thought I was going to become like a millionaire, was as a caddy. So when you get a job as a caddy, they tell you like how much a double A caddy makes. Like a double A caddy can make $45 an hour. And then if they're carrying two bags, you can make $90 an hour. And I was like, awesome. And what level I'll caddy carry am I? Like, three bags. Yeah. And then they're like, and then I'm like, oh, what level caddy am I? They're like, you're a triple Z caddy. So you make, you know, you know, you make no money. And I was like 13, scrawny as hell. And I can remember carrying 
uh, one bag for 18 holes and being like completely ruined by the time I was done. And then, you know, getting like whatever the 1250 that you made from, from carrying it. I'm like, fuck this. I'm never coming back. Mm. <laughs> Max, yeah. your audio is a little low. Can you try and turn it up just a little bit? I'll just I hear, a little I hear bit. him I'm fine. Little, I hear a little him fine. more bass in your headphones. I am. Um, I think we have that? talked about this before because I think I made the same joke I want to make right now, which is that me saying I worked in a warehouse once. Men's warehouse. Well, no, that's a Michael Scott joke. Yeah, exactly. But I think because I remember saying that, I think we've talked. I know. Did you actually work in men's warehouse? I was a greeter. Were you really? No. <laughs> oh, no, dude. Oh, my no. God. I could actually see you working in men's warehouse. You've got a you've got the demeanor for it. Oh, there was something else I wanted to talk about. Oh, oh does anyone see this guy, this fitness, fitness influence? I don't know. When is somebody like, can you be an influencer and something else? Anyway, you guys see this guy, um, Tanner Shuck? No. Yes, yes, yes. I know <laughs> Tanner Shuck. You know him? I don't know him, but I've seen his stuff. He is like the most aggressive dude in the, <laughs> the world. Like, yeah, like he had these like, we, he's like, we had he's this like, like he, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. We had the subs podcast, you know, we did last whatever. And then I caught a clip of him snorting creatine. <laughs> he's my it, favorite. Is he in the CrossFit space or is he in like the general fitness space? I mean, he he's sure as shit looks like he does space. CrossFit. He does GHD sit-ups, which I'm like, the only people who do GHD sit-ups are people who do CrossFit. Um, anyway, he's out of control, man. Yeah, he he's like always screaming at you about like, you know, he's like, you know why you're fat? Because you eat like a fat piece of shit. You know, like. He, <laughs> oh, wow. Like, yeah. Uh, like he, no, but like directly to that point. Yeah. 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 So anyway. And then he's talking. Uh, he has this one. He's like, I'm a nice guy. And he has this like video of him like helping a grandma squat through a, a, a BOSU ball or something. It's he, awesome. And then, he, and then he pushes her down a flight of stairs. Psych. <laughs> yeah. Psych. Testing your agility, grandma. I wish yeah, I wish I had. I wish I had the. Uh, I don't know. Whatever you want to call it. Courage, I don't know, to be like that the on Instagram. The chutzpah? The chutzpah? Oh, yeah. I wish I had the chutzpah. Well, that was like, you remember that old video of, um, was it the Ultimate Warrior where he's yelling at his kids while they're working out? <laughs> oh, yeah. like, the kid's that, like, the kid's like, he's like, he's like, it's a back squat. I want you to squat down like you're shitting in a hole. <laughs> you know, I've always that, wanted to, I've always wanted to run a level one group the way he coaches his kids. You that know, like, that, that video, that video is timeless. He's like, you squat down like you're shitting over a hole. 20 reps. He's like, Jason, reps. you're, you're on the sled over here, just here. Pressing the barbell overhead, and and these kids, these kids are made out of spaghetti. <laughs> like they are. They're like you carrying ten freaking being a caddy, carrying ten golf bags. Exactly that that video is insane. I love that. And the Wait, kids like so I can't, I can't. He's like, what do you mean I can't? Fall? <laughs> so screaming. wait mdv was that what your was that what your level one was like this weekend that was exactly what the level one was like this past weekend it's changed a lot since i've been on the team it's changed that you know screaming it. at people no 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 it's, it was a fun How experience fun man. would that be <clears throat> not to, not to fun. coach a group like that yeah probably not that fun because i think people would be crying um <laughs> you know you're taking their hopes and dreams and you're just like shattering them 
It's what like that, that, that Instagram video song? where like the Shaolin monk is just punching him in the in the groin over and over again. <laughs> Get lower in the squat, man. point about uh relentlessness and how i think some people take it to that extreme sometimes man that's one of my favorite stories to tell about like when i was coaching at crossfit new england i forget who the fuck i was coaching but like i was coaching this older gentleman and he was doing med ball front squats and i was just like lower 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 like just non-stop and he was like <laughs> he just called a timeout he's like you'll never know how i feel right now and i am not getting any lower than where i'm at and i was like well okay well and you just grabbed him by the hips and you just shoved <laughs> exactly. his ass to the ground <laughs> i played the ultimate warrior video and then i screamed in his face no I mean, um, it's, uh, it's a it's a good reminder about uh where the line is on relentlessness sometimes well, yeah, I mean, in the level two environment, I feel like I've seen, we used to do this drill where I think it was like, we exclusively had people focus on tactile cues. And it was like, I saw people do things to each other where I was like, I haven't seen that since college, you know, like, Lots it was touching. amazing. Lots and touching in ways that was like, so inappropriate, like grab somebody's head and be like, put your head down. <laughs> well, dude, um, have you, have you ever seen the video? Um, you remember Dmitry Klokov, right? Um, yeah. He, strongest man in the world. So um, there's this great video of him running one of his Olympic lifting seminars. And he's trying to teach somebody not to dive their head like excessively through on like a split jerk. And he just has his fist like ready to go. And the guy dives his head through. And Dimitri just punches him in the nose. This is <laughs> just in this seminar. So that's the cue that I've been using it, a lot. Did it, did it, did it, your mom. Yeah. Oh my God. Doing a push press. Did it fix it? Yeah. Did the guy did the guy stop diving his head through? Yeah, once he uh Yeah, because he was nose, dead. Once he got his nose splinted <laughs> and everything, you know what I mean? He was fine. Um wait, MDV, what was the hardest part of the level one besides the test? The hardest part of the level one besides the test, you know, I'm I'm kind of still surprised about the the sequence of the workouts that they do for the participants. Um, mm. You do the thruster. James, are we allowed to reveal the, what the workouts are? Is that like a secret yeah. or no? I think it's okay. Anyway, so on on day one during the level one, you do um, 15, 12, three rounds of fifteen and twelve thruster and ninety five pounds, sixty five pounds, and then burpees. So three rounds, Brutal. fifteen thrusters. 12 burpees, which is a, a a brutal workout. I heard that Cole Sager got like two minutes and 26 seconds. On Did he jump workout. to a target? Uh, I don't know, but that would change the workout pretty significantly. That would change the workout pretty significantly. I did push press and burpee and I still finished around, you know, uh, I think I finished after Cole, him doing thrusters. I finished below three minutes, but then the day two workout is an AMRAP of eight minutes of med ball cleans for 20 reps and 20 sit-ups and did you power clean it for the med ball clean yeah i clean i cleaned it pretty much to parallel i believe um i wasn't de definitely was not all all the way in the bottom of my squat with my hip right now it just is not <clears throat> the smartest choice but i i probably towards the middle and the end of the workout i was getting below parallel um but even even just doing those two movements you know my legs were still pretty sore i mean they're still pretty sore today and um it's just surprising to me that you have such a high volume of med ball cleans the day after doing 
um, that that three round of fifteen and twelve. That was one of the no, things we we squat we squat the bananas out of you. Yeah, there's Whoa. a lot of squatting that happens, right? You have the squat group on day one, then you have the workout, then you have the um, med ball clean in the in the deads group on day two, and then you have the the workout. Yeah, there's a lot of squatting that goes on for sure. And I was just thinking, like somebody who's not as conditioned or doesn't squat as much, man, they're probably walking Bambi legs for the next like four or five days. Good. Um, what does that tell you? you? Should probably squat more. Yeah, maybe. But thanks for I, that, I Max. Know. Um, I thought it was really cool. It was really interesting to be on. I hadn't taken a level one since 2008 as a participant. And that old school cer certainly Holy has changed, shit. changed a lot since then. Yeah. Because in 08, we were still doing four work. We did in 08, we still did Fran, Fight Gone Bad. There was like this. My, and then there was like a freebie workout they just made up on the fly, right? You didn't. They definitely made up the. We did, we did Fran and then they made up the workout. The second workout was a made up one. Oh I don't man, know fight gone bad. bad. That's awesome. I didn't know that you did fight gone bad at a level one. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely changed the the trial by fire approach and just like this. And then we would do this station rotation. You had like ten minutes or five minutes at like a GHD and a double under, and they would, you know, just you basically what was that? Flagellate yourself for five minutes with with the jump <laughs> rope, and then you'd move the GHD. And um, but yeah, we did fight gone bad. It was horrific. Remember, remember when we did fight on bad together a couple months ago, and I visited. It was so hard. That's it. You smashed it though. Brutal. We had a great time. Fight, fight on bad is is such a cool workout. Um, the reason I love fight on bad is when I started CrossFit, I thought that fight on bad was like the most unsexy, not cool workout at all. Like when I first started CrossFit, I was like, why is it like why is it so light? Like. How come there's no like high skill movements? And then I remember doing it the first time and my heart exploded after the first round. And I was like, oh, I get it. I need to have a little bit more work capacity. Yeah, I get this workout now. Oh, okay. Yeah. When I did it at the level one in my first round, we ended on the row and I did 30 calories my first round. I rode 30 calories. And then my next round, I think I got six reps. <laughs> Total. Uh, oh my god MVP, how, I, how many other revalidate revalidating coaches were going through level one? Oh, good question so this was actually um we put on a private level one here at uh our nc fit campbell gym so it was 20 did. 20 of our coaches um and uh staff members all all getting cool. uh revalidated or um had a certificate within the next couple of years that was expiring and then took the course uh with the team which was really well, cool well, taking and what was their general their vibe of it yeah was really really fun yeah what was their general vibe were they like bored out of their mind or no 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 i mean it's a good it, it's a great course still i think the the material is still very interesting um i think that the uh the staff members always do a really good job of making it engaging and fun and there's like you know obviously a lot of humor that's kind of interlaced and when you're talking to 20 coaches i think there you might take the course maybe a little bit of a different direction than if you're talking to 20 people who are somewhat more brand new to this stuff. Um, so there was a lot of experience in the room <clears throat> and, um, yeah, I thought overall it was, it was a really good experience. Um, made me want to be back on seminar staff for about 30 mm. seconds. And then I was like, no, nah, I don't, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. It was just, just thinking about how, how much those guys are on the road, how much they prep, how much they have to be on. Um, it's, it's probably the the sexiest gig in all of uh, CrossFit, right? It's the pinnacle, the tip of the spear. But like, 
I think when you get there and you do it for a while and, you know, James, you can say it better than anybody, you realize that it's a ton of work and commitment and you're giving up weekends and you're studying and you get to do an awesome job, but it also is a, a pretty serious burden. Mm. It's, it's the great power, great responsibility thing. It's just like yeah. being Spider-Man. Exactly. Pretty much, pretty much exactly like being Spider-Man. I miss, yeah, I definitely miss, I miss the international travel of it, you know, seeing, seeing CrossFit grow up in other countries and, and just how internationally it would be like, you know, in the U S it had already been there for a handful of years, but then you go to another country and it was, you know, just starting to grow. I miss that for sure. Like the, that really was, cool. to be it, in CrossFit at that time was so exciting. Um, I miss that a lot. And traveling is just, we live on such a cool planet. Traveling is amazing. Yeah, there were like a lot of really exciting years in there. I think like, you know, from the time the Reebok partnership got signed till about like 2017 or 2018 seemed like it was just, uh, you know, it was just exploding everywhere. Like they, there was a lot of businesses that were coming into CrossFit to not only sign athletes, but to provide sponsorships and like it just seemed like everything was really um, churning very, very fast. Things were changing. Things were growing. You'd go places. You'd go to places like Brazil, and they were out of their minds about CrossFit, about how yeah. like um, excited they were about it. And you would definitely get the same type of feelings or vibes that you would like known when you first kind of found out about it, and it was like small in the in the U.S. But um. Dude, I was talking to, to Curtis Bowler, who who was the flow master of the seminar. And Curtis is like the OG of all OGs. Uh, he had the eighth CrossFit affiliate ever, uh, CrossFit Rainier. And now they're the oldest. Everybody wow. from one through eight um, no, no longer is operating their affiliates. They're the oldest operating affiliate. How old is that? That's awesome. 17, Gosh, right? Oh, maybe almost 20. I don't know. I think somewhere in like early 2000s, 2003, yeah, 2004. Because CrossFit Boston is still operates and they're 2005, yeah. um, which is amazing. That's, yeah, so the that's, Curtis must be, coming up, must be 20 years old. Probably getting close for sure. Probably getting close. That's so cool. Yeah, it's been, um, it's kind of interesting to think that like people have been doing this stuff now. There's been people who have been doing it for 20 years. How's Probably not at the intensities and the volumes at the how like games level athletes have been training more recently, but um, twenty years of doing CrossFit—that's that's a lot of years. Well, I wonder what his score on Fight Gone Bad is. He beat you. Oh, all right. Well, there you go. <clears throat> he's a big well, strong guy. I don't know if he's there moving moving the the light barbells and doing the gymnastics too too quickly, but he's definitely moving some barbells pretty pretty well. That's all right. I got, One time I was that. I was working with Curtis and we did this thing called strongman frisbee and we threw 10 pound plates at each other and you try to catch them in a pinch grip. <laughs> <laughs> File that under games that you can't play with your members. You know, imagine like doing that as a warm up. Well, that would be so good. 10 pound plates. This, <laughs> this past week, we uh, I was coaching uh, a spin off of the workout dork. So six rounds, um, 60 double-unders, 30 sit-ups, 15 burpees. 
And for my warm up, we did a fun version of uh, the pizza game, which is an absolute classic game. One, I have a, an outtake to show you that we shot for Cap of demoing the pizza game. I'll send it to you guys. It's yeah, out of I, control. Max, so explain I, the pizza game really quickly. So pizza game, you uh, someone so shows up at your door with a sausage pizza. <laughs> okay. That's a different. And uh, and, you, and you give them a good tip and you eat the pizza and enjoy the game with your buddies. All right, next question. So, um, the way the pizza game works, there everybody grabs an ab mat and you first start off. Everybody balances the ab mat. I always have everybody start with their dominant hand, and then essentially you run around the room and you knock people's pizzas off their hand, and they do a penalty to get back in the game. So, for instance, in this workout, I first warmed them up a little bit. So warmed up uh, some single unders and warmed up some up downs so that people aren't going into a game cold because you shouldn't do that. Get your members warm first. And then their penalty to get back in the game was, I believe, like one up down. So we do a round nice. like that. We do a round like that. Then we do a round where you um, were you non-dominant hand. It only hold in your non-dominant hand. Um, then we'll do a round where it's exchange style. So um, if MDV gets you out, James, when MDV goes out, you're back in the game. It essentially makes the game like never ending. And then we do like a last person standing version. I used to be a PE teacher. So like I have like all of these games like deep in, in the archives of, you know, different ways to play. So it's, it's a lot of fun. And then also, I always offer uh, something for people to do if they don't want to play the game. So, for instance, we had a couple members that didn't want to play the game. So I sent them in the bathroom with a toothbrush and had them scrub the <laughs> toilets while, uh, while, while we played the game. So they got to make the decision. I have a uh, question for you guys here. So, you know, playing games as part of the warm-up was, when we were coming up and coaching, kind of like part of the deal. Every once in a while, you would have either like, pizza game or dodgeball or freeze tag or whatever. How much do you guys think that that is still important to do with your, with your members still important to have adults who are coming to you for fitness experience, play these kinds of games. Are you doing it a couple of times a week? Are you doing it every once in a while? Do you not do it at all anymore? Because hot take, sorry, go ahead. The one thing I want to ask, like the one thing I really want to ask is like, where does the line get drawn between playing some of these games and then treating your members like children? Right. So Max, what were you going to say? What's your hot? That's like when Max was like, I warm up my athletes. I had this picture of Max, like, you know, how, like when your parents used to come up and hug you after a ski day, he's like shaking them. Oh, it's okay. Wait, that's, You're gonna, we're going to warm you up. That's, that's, that's what I did. I had some hand warmers. So uh, it actually starts with the coach MDV. No, no, no offense to you. You're not playing any games. That's not, that's not your style of coaching. Well, I like, used to, truly, like I used to, but okay, I, I probably okay, wouldn't anymore. Right. I wouldn't have you do that anymore. That's not your style. So one, it actually has to be authentic to who you are. Mm -hmm. I'm a silly guy. So we like to play games sometimes, but truly if, uh, if I'm playing games, it's maybe, maybe once a month, mm. you know, and a, a lot of the games that I'm playing, uh, I'm trying to weave in aspects of the workout. Like very rarely am I just like, first off, we don't play dodgeball anymore because about five years ago, we had somebody tear their Achilles running for 
running up to grab a dodgeball. He ran up, he grabbed the dodgeball, he turned around, he came and he's like, hey, I just tore my Achilles. I was like, no, you're good. He's like, no, no, I've done this before. Like on my other leg, I just tore my Achilles. I'm like, I'm so sorry. He's like, don't even worry about it. I got another one. So it's good. Um, <laughs> so that's. I got a bunch he, of cadavers he, in the back. We're just pulling new one out. <laughs> yeah, oh it turned God. out turned out he was Dexter. Um, so we um we outlawed dodgeball after that point. We stopped mm. playing dodgeball. Um, but instead we doubled down on teaching people how to rebound their box jumps. So um good. That's Smart a joke. Move. So um so rebounding box jump might be the most useless, in my opinion, movement to be done by the average fitness person. I don't mm. think the the rebounding hot, box hot jump. take. I'm I'm interested to hear James' take. So, so so really quick. I like playing games once a month. It's really good. You also have to know your audience. Um, I coach uh, the five fifteen or five thirty a.m. Uh, a lot. Those people do not want to play a game at all. There is nothing they want to do uh, less than play a game. So, but my four thirty p.m. five thirty p.m. They've you know, probably been sitting at a desk all day, moving their mouse to pretend like they're working, get them playing a game. Like those people want to have a good time. You got to, you got to know your audience. So you got to read the room. No, no, you got to read the room, read the room. James, what about you, baby? What you thinking? James, not playing any games. No, not a one. No, no, no way. James no, is playing games. no, James isn't playing the games. James, James is more, when I took James, go to a Chuck E. Cheese, man. Go to a Chuck. What a. So when 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 James when James coached me, the the thing oh, that he so was. Good. First off, there's this thing where you can get married at a Chuck E. Cheese. I sent it to Britt. I'm like, this is where we should have got married. Do you know um, that Chuck E. Cheese's name is Charles Entertainment Cheese? <laughs> a great name. <laughs> there, there's actually oh, that's a great name cheese that has that written out on the front his full legal name charles entertainment cheese i'm gonna um, spend my whole day trying to figure out all the names of all of the mascots of different fast food places now you know i, I ronald Oglethorpe McDonald. <laughs> um, wait, hey, I was gonna, I was gonna say that. No, I play I games, you, man. I'm, I'm good with games. Um, no, you didn't. You, I am. You, you were very good. At played a lot of games. Us Farmers and Lumberjacks, okay. the best game. What um, was, what was James's class like? His most recent class that you took, Matt. No, so I haven't taken a, a James class for a while because when I visited him, he took the week off to spend time with me um no work i'm kidding he worked a lot no but when i took james's class back in the day the thing that i always loved was like a couple times a week he would give us like some new like mobility thing at the end of class for us to start working on so like i can remember doing like i think we did the workout sugar daddy 21 15 9 400 meter run and um in deadlifts at 225 155 classic couplet and james showed us like a really cool three position um lacrosse ball mobility where you you know you stand on the lacrosse ball you put a kettlebell on top of your thigh and like you know do all stuff like that and that that was 10 years ago i'm still using that trick <laughs> so there there were there were always always a couple of uh a couple of fun tidbits last last james 
story I'll give and then we'll move on was the first time I saw James outside of the gym. It was very much like when you're a kindergartner and you see your teacher outside of school and you can't believe that this person exists outside school. It was like me and my buddy Nick, we were, and you guys obviously both know Nick well. Um, we we were at Whole Foods and we saw James and I, I like didn't know what to do. The first thing that I noticed, like, whoa, James is eating like real food. Okay, that's cool. And then I was like, can we like, can we like sit with you and have dinner? And James is like, sure, come, you know, come, come and sit down. <laughs> yeah, and stop and being it, so weird. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'll, you know, it's like you, you feel like you're like sitting with like a celebrity, you know, because, um, I, you know, I had only seen James in my seven thirty p.m. class, so it was, you know, it's it's one of these things where like. You just can't believe that that person is real outside the gym. And here we are 10 years later. What a life. What a life. As, as thick as thieves. James yeah. is big time, man. James is one of the we most played, um, athletes. We, and he doesn't oh, want to talk shut about up. it. Uh, wait, um, tell us. We I used what? to be. I'm, I'm just washed up now. I'm like, uh, I don't know. Um, I I was going to say. Wait, we played what? We, played we just what? recently what? played. Um, okay. We played the PVC stick game. We played pizza I... delivery recently. That that PVC um, stick game is awesome. That's the falling a fun sticks game. in a circle. The falling sticks. Sometimes we play this game called Spears, and you just get on either side of the room with a PVC and just huck it across the room. And if you hit somebody, they're out. Spears, fun game. I think in terms of games, um, you guys, we just gotta like think about. Max made a really good point. Got to think about your audience. You got to think about the dy- the the composition of the class. You also got to think about what workout. Obviously, you're coaching that day, and uh, if it's if it's something where you haven't done one of these in a while, I think you can try to uh, put one into your class plan and see how well it works for you. But it's definitely not for everybody. I think some of these things fall flat. It's kind of like question of the day sometimes too. For you me, have to have like, a backup, right? Like you, if for someone who doesn't want to play a game, there's got to be a backup. You should have a you should have something else planned because you can't expect everybody who's a paying adult to want to play this game if right. they're not into it. Right. Having having something else for some people to do. A hundred percent. Listen, I made a joke earlier about having people clean the bathroom, but essentially what ends up happening is <laughs> I like I, I allot like five to seven minutes to play the game and I write up like a very easy AMRAP for them to do something that would be like, hey, you know, you're going to spin on the bike for one minute, go for 10 alternating Spider-Man. Essentially, you just take aspects of the classic CrossFit warm up and you give them that during during the, the time where they're playing a game. Generally speaking, I'll have maybe one to two people that don't want to play a game. But for the most part, it's a lot like freshman year. Peer pressure works really well. Um, so we were normally normally totally fine there to, to get people on board playing a game. Um, how do you guys handle athletes who don't want to do particular workouts? We covered this a little bit in the past, like long, long, long time ago, but you know, I think my position on it has changed from back in the day. I think back in like the early two thousands or whatever, I was much more hard nosed about like, no, this is, this is the workout. And if you don't want to do it, like you're doing something really, really close to it. Oh, but I don't care at all. I'm people so soft it. on it now. Yeah, yeah. like I, I, people. I'm, I'm people if it's not going to become like a pattern, and if it's not going to influence the rest of the class, you can go do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. Do do. And I mean, so honestly, like this is this really goes into 
like the emotional intelligence of a coach of an owner and and what we're really trying to do you know if 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 the goal is to get more people moving to get people off the couch to get people working out not every day is going to be somebody's best. Not every day somebody's going to want to sink their teeth into whatever workout it is. And, and I agree with you, James. As long as it's not disruptive to the group, and and by disruptive I mean like somebody who's literally standing in the middle of the room with their arms crossed, throwing a temper tantrum, saying, "I'm not going to do thrusters today." Like I, I think I think it's on the coach. <laughs> would be funny. I think it's kind of on on the coach to to figure it out. Like, listen. Um, I know my mom doesn't listen to this podcast, so I'll talk about her here. Um, my, my my mother, there's a handful of movements that she just doesn't want to do. Mm. You know, like my mom doesn't like rowing. She'd rather ride the bike. So like we do the workout, Jackie, you know, she's like, you know, can I ride the bike today? I'm like, of course, ride the bike. You know, like <laughs> I, I don't know. Like if we're not making exceptions for people right now, I think that um, – I don't know, like talk about like a fun class and a place where people feel safe. Like essentially the re the, the best thing that could ever happen is that your member feels safe enough to tell you like, Hey, I'm like really not feeling great today. I didn't have a good night's sleep. Mm. I, you know, I really need some modifications. Hey, I'm dealing with something today. I, Hey, how about like, Hey, I just need to move. There's like something going into my life, going on in my life right now. And like the fact that I even made it here today is like a fucking Do you miracle. have something you want to tell us? Me? Yeah. Well, yeah. Can we go off air for a second? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, you know, if we're, if, if we're not talking to our members about that, we're, we're really missing out and we're probably also missing out on like what it means to be a part of a community. You know, like you can say like, oh yeah, like we have the best community in the world. Like, okay, cool. Like, are your members communicating with you like on a regular basis about how how they're feeling i'm not saying that you have to be somebody's therapist but like if you're really trying to create a tightly knit community and you're trying to be there for your athletes like it's kind of insane to think that every single day everybody's going to be able to do exactly what's written on the board the, the conversation more mdv is about modifying right mm. like do, do we only modify for for physical things so for instance like is it only about oh hey mdv's hip is bothering him like he can't go below parallel or are we making other exceptions for people based off of you know, psychological things that are going on in their lives. I talked to a group of coaches recently who came to visit NC fit here. And, um, there were a couple of them who, who still really struggled with this idea of being personally offended by members who were either late to their <laughs> class or didn't want to, um, do the workout that like the coach was telling them to do. And it took me a minute because I, at, fir at first I was like, why, the why are you personally offended by this? Like, why, why does it like get you so personally fired up? But then like kind of thinking back in the day, like my mindset was much more closed off about how Same. things are, are, should be done. And like, mm -hmm. you know, thinking that like, I have the I have the the juice over here. Like what I'm going to tell you for today is like God's gift. And, yep, yep, you know, yep. I think in, in maturing over the years and, and how I coached and like how I view fitness and all this kind of stuff, like I look back on that and I go, oh shit, like that was probably not the right way to, to coach those types of workouts or coach those types of people. I could have done better for them. And this is really interesting too. There was a, there's a guy in the jujitsu community um, he's, he's now like a really prolific owner. He's a thought leader. His name's Tom DeBlas. 
And uh, first of all, Tom DeBloss is a really fantastic follow because he's on this personal mission to eradicate bullying from um, like uh, high schools and middle schools and stuff like that. Like he, he, he personally reaches out and finds these people who have been involved in these bullying situations and then gets them into jujitsu training and, and, you know, starts to give them a, a lot of tools and resources and stuff like that. So that that's whole one thing. But what he posted the other day was he deeply regrets early on in his jujitsu career um, when he was a, a high level competitor, he deeply regrets training so hard with people who were not high level competitors, training with hobbyists and making them submit or making them look stupid or not letting them win. And it, it kind of struck a chord in me for a, a couple of different things. Number one, I like, I started to look at my own time in jujitsu and thinking about how I was approaching things and the people I rolled with, but also it made me think about fitness and coaching and thinking about people who are coming into the gyms as hobbyists or people who are coming into the gyms for fitness as part of like a, a really nice addition to their life that they they want to use it for something that's productive and positive. They want to add it to their life. It's not their be all end all. And I think that, you know, when you're really deeply involved and invested, when you're really deeply uh, caring about something like we all do with fitness, it becomes easy to forget that like not everybody fucking thinks about fitness all day. Like we think about fitness and sometimes those people just need a softer touch or they need a different perspective or like it's okay if they don't want to do the weight, the reps, the movement that's on the board. It's like they, they honestly, it's probably like the last thing they need is you forcing them to do that because it's the last fucking thing that they really care about. They just want, want to get a workout in and then like go home and be with their family or their friends or whatever. So anyway, it just made me think about that. It's, and I think that having that type of perspective and trying to, to see that earlier in your coaching career is very important. A lot of, a lot of good stuff here. I just, uh, I'm gonna let James comment, but I love the thing that, that you talked about way earlier, which is like taking personal offense to, you know, like somebody not, not wanting to do something. And God, I've, I've been there, you yeah. know, like er, er, early on, like in coaching, like somebody, you know, somebody says like, they're going to modify something. And it's like, you know, they just like kicked your dog. Like, how dare you, you know, think about that. <laughs> Thank God. That imagine if a uh, member came in and just said, I don't want to do thrusters and then just fucking booted Havoc. <laughs> <laughs> Havoc uh, would just like, he would like look up and be like, what? What? Yeah, he would. He wouldn't, he wouldn't care that much. He's, he's so chill. Um, but no, I think that thankfully like things have changed, but MDB, like what you're talking about is knowing your members, like, listen, there, there are a handful of members that I have right now that really want to be pushed, you know, and they want, you know, they want a couple minutes before the workout. Like, Hey, what's my, like, what's my goal today? Like, give me, give me a goal, right? Like, Hey, today I want you to try and two set these front squats or whatever, right? And then, like you said, then there are some other people who, like, if you were to tell them, like, I want you to two set the front squats, they looked at look at you like you have you know ten heads. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Mm. Like, I'm just like, dude, I'm just here to I'm just here to move my body. So it's it's a hundred percent about about knowing knowing your members and and what they need for you. And if you don't know, asking them you know like 
that's actually one of one of the coolest questions is like, hey, how can I support you? Like what what are the things that, you know, if you're if you're running a gym, if you're the general manager of a gym, if you're the coach, like asking a new member, like, you know, hey, what are you looking for from from a coach? Like what type of support do you need? Because because there are also some people who like, you know. I mean, like you said, like that that person that you're like screaming at to go lower in a med ball front squat, you know, they're like, hey, man, like <laughs> this is it for me. Not you know, happen. like I'm I'm not going any lower. And, you know, I mean, what do you do then as a coach? Right. OK. Yeah. All right, man. Got you. Yeah. You just never you just never going to get lower. Your range of motion is going to continue to get smaller. You're never going to be able to take a shit by yourself in a couple of years. You might as well just get into a nursing home right now. And that, yeah, that's the sequence of that's the sequence of events on the floor. Do not go that route. Do not go that route. James, do you have any thoughts yeah. on this? I don't know yet. I'm just listening to you guys on this one. I think and, you guys and, are and MDV's done with me. James, you got to come in here. No, yeah, I'm not he's done. like, I don't want to listen to Max talk anymore. Everybody no gets a, everybody gets a medal at CrossFit Tilt and NZ Fit. No, no, uh, your members is good, well, but well, it's also for, ego. This is an ego conversation, man. Well, I first think off, like we don't give out medals. Too expensive. Hershey's kisses. Um, it's, I think it's more ego for me than anything else. I think that sometimes, you know, you, you, you are, you are a very important person in your members lives. There's no doubt about that. And you're probably the number one health and fitness influencer in their life. They spend more time with you by a landslide. If they're coming in, let's just say three times a week and they're taking your class three times a week, they spend more time with you than anybody else. Who's going to talk to them about fitness or wellness or health in, in their lives. But that doesn't give you the, the, the license to be entitled to just like say whatever you want or do whatever you want or treat them however you want. Or, you know, it, it, it means you're important to them, but it doesn't mean that they're more in their experience and their happiness is more important than what you want to tell them. And I think understanding that's really important. And this whole idea of like being personally offended by like people showing up late or somebody not wanting to do something. First of all, if it's a chronic issue, you just talk to that person outside of the class environment and you talk to them and see what's going on in their life or what's what's causing them to be late or why are they always asking you to modify things. And if it's a conversation about like hey, I, I just don't I just don't give a fuck about being here on time or whatever, like that's first of all it's never really happened, but like if that does happen, maybe it's not the best place for them to train. But you're you're handling that outside of the class environment. You have to be good enough on the floor to control your emotions that if somebody comes in late, you just give them the old, like, Hey, what's up, uh, James, how you doing? Why don't you hop on the bike for five minutes and I'll come over and I'll talk to you about what's going on. That's it. Like there doesn't need to be anything else besides that. And you can handle that as it, as it needs to be handled. But the whole idea of being personally offended is like, is pretty wild to me. What about for the people out there who think like, hey, I'm not a good or an effective leader if if my mem all of my members are not following me, you know, like they're not doing what I'm telling them. That's well, an ego thing. I think, yeah, I think that that's probably the same thing, probably ego again. Well, I mean, is that like, is that is that the mark of a good leader? Is that everybody's doing exactly, you just want a bunch of lemmings? Like, is that the... Is that the is that the whole goal? Like I I don't know I don't know if that's the goal specifically. Like if we're talking about running a CrossFit affiliate, I'm really not sure that that's the goal. I know for me that's not the goal of our gyms. Like the the goal of our gyms is not that everybody's going to come in and follow the exact same program, right? It's 
we do program a workout of the day and we view that as a blueprint. It's like, this is, this is what we're going to base things off of. You know, also if, if there are things that you need outside of that, we can provide that. And then on the flip side, we've talked about it before, like also understanding like, okay, this isn't going to be the best fit for everybody. But I think that the mark of a good leader isn't that everybody's doing exactly what you're saying all the time. That seems, uh, Hmm, I don't know, maybe a little cultish. I think it's definitely a a more, um, I don't know, novice or juvenile view of leadership that the goal is to get everyone to do exactly what you say. Have you ever seen the Simpsons episode where he joins a cult? The leader is good. The leader is great. We surrender our will as of the state. Um, And uh, (laughs) and they have they they have these guys eating eating this gruel that's supposed to like you know like you know um like tame you and rules and and homer is eating like bowl upon bowl and they're like <laughs> and, and and they're 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 like they're like and and you know this gruel that's supposed to you know keep these guys tame is not working and they're like well it has the opposite effect when you eat eight or nine bowls and homer's <laughs> like you know, and homer's like shoveling the stuff down so um anyway that great great episode of of the simpsons um so anyway i think you're i i think that your members will not only um listen to you more respect you more and um be more compliant with what you're trying to give to them if you're doing the job in a way that shows that you actually care about what you do and what you're doing on a consistent basis and you're constantly out there delivering great classes. I don't think there's any substitute for that. I think like if you're doing that, I think your members are going to follow along. And I think that the more you're inconsistent there or the more opportunities you give your members to question whether or not you actually uh, have their best interests in mind. And that can be your own ego. That can be, you know, how you're coaching your classes. That can be your consistency. That can be showing up late, early on time, whatever. The more opportunities you give your members to question that, I think the the less they are going to do what you quote unquote want them to do. But the more you're able to like get them on your side and show them that like you have a handle on this thing and that you take it really seriously and you also have fun with it. But like, I think that that's the way to get your people m- more kind of ingrained in, in what you want them to experience. Um, this is the way. I think it is, man. I think it is. But I, there's nothing like if you're personally offended when somebody walks in and you have an argument with them about why they're late in front of the other members, like all those members are thinking is like, what if I'm late one day and that's going to happen to me? Like, Th- there's no way that that's which is good, right? Because then they're it scared does, though, and they're never Max. being late. That's what you want. <clears throat> it still does happen. <laughs> I think that that's the scary part is that like, yeah, I think it doesn't happen. Like we we have become so isolated in our bubbles, like. You know, the NC Fit bubble, the Tilt bubble, you know, James is off doing the CrossFit, CrossFit Mafia, CrossFit Mafia. And obviously I know that James runs amazing classes, but like, I do think that this stuff still exists because I've talked to people where like, they're still experiencing it. So probably less because I think the industry has evolved a bit, but I, I definitely still think it goes on. Mm, I hope not that because that just makes me sad but i want my members um, to fear how much they love me 
uh another good another good office reference hey really quick um i'm just trying to think about like what kind of tools does a new coach need to avoid that right because as a new coach you come in and you just all you you want a blueprint right because it's it's a you know i was um i was watching that show next level chef you guys watch that i I watch all cooking shows Uh, it's a great show um and I, I feel like being a chef is one of the coolest skills because it's like you have to be an artist with a gun to your head and then everyone else, everyone has to like the art you make at the end of it, right? Like the pressure of it is is really high. Um, and I think being a coach is really challenging because you have to manage group classes are really, really hard to do well. And one of the things I want to bring up today, and since we only have like five minutes left, the timing is perfect to bring it up now. Right. Um, and I saw this, I I'm on the two brain business, you know, just get the regular emails and, you know, it was just talking about how to start new client journeys and stuff like that. But there's a lot out there in the fitness world and it's not to knock this stuff. Cause I think in some cases it's appropriate about like how we should do one-on-ones and have one-on-one training tracks. And we've talked about this before, but I think one of the reasons that has become so popular is because doing a running group classes very well is really, really hard. And I think it's for coaches like you guys who do it well, when you watch it go down, it's sort of like, how hard can it be? Go stop clocks going, music's on. Um, And I think for a new coach who starts right, like any deviation from the plan seems horrifying because there's so much that could go off the rails. I would always joke with new coaches like, They'd be like, hey, how do you fix athletes or assess athletes effectively? And I was like, stop trying to do so much, right? Never never tell me the, the odds, right? The math, you have 20 people, you're coaching an air squat. That's 100 points performance that you're on the hook for just in a single rep. And I think if you run around with that mentality, you're screwed. But if you're like, hey, it's an air squat, it's foundationally safe. Athletes have been screwing it up for years and they're fine. Just try and make everybody better at a single thing. And now you've gone from 100, you know, um, potential outcomes to 20. Mm. And I, I think that's a really hard thing to learn as a coach. I think it's a little bit ego. I think it's a lot of it fear. You know, like if one thing goes wrong, all these people are going to die. You know, <laughs> I think that's a huge part of it too. And that's something you just don't learn without experience, you know, watching 20 classes, seeing how much actually goes wrong in your class, wrong scare quotes, like not, you know, not to plan and everything still turns out. Okay. Mm. Right. I think some of that also comes down to the understanding of, you know, gross versus subtle faults and the understanding Mm. of safety versus efficiency and being able to understand how you go through that in your mind. And you're not just looking at a room full of, let's say, 15 athletes who you all you look at them, you go, everybody's moving out of control and everybody's moving poorly. If you don't understand how to triage, or if you don't understand safety versus efficiency, you don't understand gross versus subtle, it's really, really, really hard to understand where you got to go first and then click down the the pecking order in that way. And um, yeah, I, I, I think that that's part of it too. I, I, James, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's There's some of it's fear. There's not knowing what to do. The fear of also making mistakes. And, you know, not knowing how to fix something when you're like, you're looking at something and you're like, oh man, this is like, this looks kind of funky, but like, I don't really know how to fix it with the the tools that I have. So I'm either going to ignore it or I'm just going to like shout no rep, or I'm going to tell them to like, 
continue, uh, you know, just shout the same cue at them over and over and over and over again. First of all, never, ever no rep your athletes in a class. Unless it's during fight gone bad. Oh, let's um, talk about that. That's interesting. Well, no, we don't. We, we don't, don't have, have time, time for that. We got time. We got seven minutes, so, man. We could we could do a dissertation. Have, you have you have more than t- okay. Why would you never no rep an athlete? Oh, First no, off, completely no rep an athlete. Say no rep. Oh don't God. count that one. Do it again. I mean, I'm sure as shit no rep Max when he's been working out next to me. Hundred percent. That's because I only do no reps. Um. So Damn wait, right, really baby. quick. <laughs> <No> uh, <reps. laughs> um. MDV or James, you asked like, what's like, what's a good blueprint for, for a young coach. Right. And I, I think I want to comment the on blueprint. Jay-Z. Oh yeah. <laughs> the goat. Um, <laughs> I, I think, I think one of the, one of the most important things is humility as a coach. Like, like MDV was talking so much about like the ego, right. And like, you know, it's, it's your own ego. Well, the whole point of being a coach. We call, him, we call him Freud. Freud DV now. Yeah, yeah. Freud DV. <laughs> FDV. Um, not going to talk about your mother. So, um, <laughs> it's it's recognizing that it's not about you. So, like, yeah. uh, e- like that in itself is one of the most important things to keep in mind as a coach and as a teacher. Your role is to guide them through essentially whatever topic you're teaching them that day, right? And that is the role. I think that some young coaches have a really hard time separating the two. Like, and I've seen this before where, you know, coaches are, let's say coaches are really good athletes and a coach I'm hearing them talk about like, you know, oh, well, when I do this or, or, or for me that it's like, first off, nobody fucking cares how you do anything. Like, that's actually not what this is about. And I know MDV probably some thoughts Uh, on this. I disagree with that a little bit. Okay. Maybe a little bit, but not a lot of it. So, um, but the, the bottom line is, is that the whole thing is about somebody else. And like, to, to your point, MDV, like if you don't know something as a coach, if you're a young coach, if somebody pulls you aside after after class and asks you like, hey, like I'm really struggling with this movement and you don't know it and you what lie about it. The first move to do is like, hey, I actually don't know, but let me do a little bit of research. Let me figure it out. Like the amount of times that I've said that and then not followed through. No, I'm just kidding. The amount of times that I've said that and then like done a little bit of research and come back to them the next day. And that person's like, whoa, like, yeah. first of all, you didn't have to do any of this. And then again, keeping in mind, it's not about me, right? It's about you. Yeah, that's next level. That That's next level. If somebody asks you something and you're able to say, hey, actually, I, I don't know exactly the answer to that, but let me get back to you. And then getting back to them and telling them what the answer is or what you think the answer is, is definitely next level. We got to wrap this up, but I do want to pick up this conversation next time and, and talking about relating personal experience for the athletes and Max is popping and locking it. And James is no reps, no reps sitting We're there talking looking, no reps, looking thoughtful. I can't remember the last time I've no rep, like legitimately no repped an athlete in the workout. I've been like, Hey, maybe you do do a little extra one, a little lower on this next one, but you know, run around and been like, like Shaolin monk crotch punching. I got that in my head still. No rep. Please don't no rep your athletes. Pet detective. All right, fellas. We'll pick this up next I week. I don't agree with that. 
Hey, but really quick, that show Beef, it's not about cows. It's about road rage. It's a really good show. You should watch it on Netflix. All right, we're out. See ya. Hello, friends. MDV here. Thank you for listening to the Intro with MDV podcast. And if you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe for weekly downloads wherever you listen to your podcast. Remember, we have a new episode coming to you every Tuesday. And if you have time and five stars to spare, please leave me a rating and review on iTunes. If you're looking for more out of me, MDV, you can find me on Instagram at MDV underscore FIT. Until next time, friends, let's go.